Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt's Lineouts Extra Rugby Technique Series Part 5 with Gordon Hanlon, the Director of Rugby for TSV Hanjeshine. I think I got it. <laughs> I don't know. Probably didn't. I think that was closer, but no, no, that, that was actually pretty much spot on uh, this time. You know, it's already taken five, but we got there. <laughs> but um, if you're in Germany and you are a Bundesliga rugby fan, check out TSV Rugby. Gordon is right there, and he's getting after it, providing his t- his club. The most professional coaching you can find. All right. I've seen it. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. Um, so moving on, uh, you know, we worked on offensive systems, um, you know, bases, like we talked about space, and then we talked about three different forms of attack: the 242, the 1331, and the 1322. Well, um, you know, we We've had some discussions since the last one dropped, and we we really need to start, I guess, talking about defense because, well, that's another thing that I think, as far as knowledge in the Americas, for the casual fan, we really don't know. And again, just the reason why we started the series is that when you Google this stuff, there isn't a lot out there. So here we are. We're going to look at the blitz defense, and then we're going to compare... England and Ireland. So, Gordon, blitz defense. Yeah, um, it, it's not just in the US. Like, so as you say, there's all information about attack shapes, um, but there's not really much about defense shapes and structures. Like, like you said a couple of podcasts ago, it's all about attitude and line speed. Um, but, sort of a joke, but yeah, no, it is. It's a simplified version of it, but it is true. Um, but it's the shapes and the structures which allow you to do line speed. It's which allow you to launch off the line to really, really attack uh, on defense. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a couple of little things which help. Um, but yeah, so the blitz defense basically is you have a rock. And then your defense are lined up and you're going as fast as you can to put pressure on the attack. That's the simplest, simplest form. What you're trying to do is you're trying to force them into mistakes or you're trying to force them backwards. You're trying to get positive tackles. You're trying to um, have the attackers turn infield. This is all things about what the blitz defense does. And it's basically just, it just shuts down the game. I guess it's like um, linebackers blitzing a quarterback. You know, his options get less and less with the uh, more pressure he has. So would this have something to do with what Italy did last Six Nations? No, um, (laughs) that was... (laughs) Basically, they wanted to negate uh, England getting over the gain line every single time they carried the ball. Um, perfectly legal. Um, just it happened against England, so people didn't like it. You know, if Italy had done it to Georgia, there'd be no complaints. 
So it's not about messing around in the uh, the back the offensive backfield per se because the, like so that's all. I mean, for everyone wondering, basically they didn't establish a Italy didn't uh, was it counter the ruck? They didn't establish the ruck against England, and so because of that, there wasn't an off offside line, and you know the you know their guy who was about to tackle could basically hang out with the scrum half. Yeah, pretty much, you know, and it's uh, it wasn't the first time it was done either. Uh, the Waikato Chiefs did it uh, on kickoffs where they'd send a, a shooter, he'd make the tackle, and then the next two defenders would run around um, to the other side of the, the mall that the team tried to form and just sack it from the back. Um, so it has been done before, but it's again, it's just it's a little tactic which I don't think we'll see again uh, for many years. So, you know, we talked about attitude and line speed a little bit, and we'll talk about that, I think, later. But let's go into, you know, what kind of uh, – I sort of – one of the things that for me that I always stress about rugby, and, you know, we talk about it all the time offline, is fitness and how many guys – like how guys put, you know, the extra time into fitness. So how does – what kind of fitness do you need to play a blitz defense? Um, it's actually a funny thing because one of the problems um, you get is teams will say, hey, we can only blitz as fast as our slowest player. But over five meters, over eight meters, your props can be just as quick as wings, if not faster, because they're more explosive. So you really need to get up off the line quickly. And it's a lot of like repeated uh, sprints. and um, less, um, it's a um, less kind of like 70, 80 meter long distance things. So, going into that, I mean, we're, we're talking about you know explosivity, and you know, we we can go into a fitness podcast, but not, not, and I don't think that's necessary at this juncture for this, but you know, so slowest player just. Where, where do we go with that? So slowest player versus, you know, the fastest doesn't really matter, but you want to install this system really on a fit team, correct? Because, I mean, we're playing, you know, fast lines sort of derived from rugby league. Yes, exactly. Um, and it's um, it wants to be a team that is willing to get in the face of attackers. Um, so it's a big me mentality shift because a lot of times you'll see it where guys will launch off the line and then as soon as a, an attacker gets close to them, they will put both feet in the ground and then stop. So we really need to keep going forward and that's the mentality is you have to launch off the line. Um, you And it's all about having um, numbers on your feet. It's like the famous quote from Eddie Jones that the only statistics he's interested in is how quick you get up off the ground on attack and how quick you get up off the ground on defense. So it's all about having uh, bodies on your feet um, because you need to have confidence that you have extra numbers, if that makes sense. So if you have like seven attackers and three defenders, you cannot blitz because they'll just make two passes and they're gone. So we need to be square and we need to be uh, even numbers or more numbers um, ideally 
So I just mentioned, you know, this is derived from rugby league. So what, what brought this system, you know, at, why did people bring this over and then establish its use? Um, probably the first big one was Sean Edwards. He first took it to Wasps in 2005, I think. And they won some Heineken Cups. They won some Premier, oh, sorry, Premierships. And then from Wasps, he went to Wales. And then the Welsh defence became uh, one of the leaders uh, in blitzing. Um, and he has a rugby league background. Uh, Les Kiss from Ireland, again, brought it from rugby league. Uh, Mike Ford, he brought it over from his league as well. And it, it is all just about numbers on your feet and a willingness to dominate the point of contact because if you blitz hard and then back off you're just you're just wasting energy because you're literally just sprinting to step backwards got it um so how do you you know let's move to sort of how do you recognize this system if you're watching a game i mean i i can guess you know just guys being in each other's faces uh yeah for the most part yeah, so um, you'll see it in the, the body positions and the profiles. So guys will be on the line square, they'll be pointing, and their first couple of steps will be hard and direct and forwards where, versus like a jockey or a drift defense where the f- first steps will be across the field. The defenders will generally be p- positioned on the outside shoulder of the attacker um, and then it will be, I guess we can get, like, if you look at most of the teams today, like the number 13 or the, or the fifth defender out from the line will lead the blitz. So they'll be the first person of kind of trying to shut down that um, wide option. And then the defensive line will fill in um, and get connected with that person who's leading the blitz line. So, but you're right, it'll be... Like, I remember last year, Ireland against England, anytime Johnny Sexton tried to do his wraparound passes, he was hit even before he got the ball. Uh, again, the Lions had a really hard blitz line against the All Blacks. This well, last summer, should I say now? But yeah, you're in the face. You're very, very aggressive at the point of contact. Uh, and you're just looking to be dominant. So what would make, um, I guess, what kind of team would you want to install this on? I mean, we just talked about fitness, but I think fitness is, uh, you know, that's just a key, whereas there's other things that go into this. Um, Yeah, so ideally you need um, fitter forwards, but in the backs you have to have backs that could make decisions and read the attack. Um, if you do, if you just send them shooting up and they don't, cannot read the defense or sorry, read the attack, they don't know what options are, then they'll just be wasting their time. But it really, like any team can play any style of defense. Like defense is very simple. Um, the profiles, yes, they, they shift a little bit, but it's, it's all about having your attitude, you you were right. <laughs> Line speed and attitude. That that's that's. But 
Both. Both. We get to how how we do it. You can't say defense is simple, okay? Because then, you know, (laughs) everyone, all the, you know, all the football defensive coaches come out and then all these other rugby defense coaches come out and then they're going to say, hey, rugby is complicated. It's it's complicated, but it's also simple. So defense is all about, you know, assignments and sticking to your assignment. And, you know, I think blitz defense probably – you know, if you don't hit your assignment, it creates a hole. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like what we've really spoken about has been the um, the why and what we're trying to do, but how we do it. It's like saying painting is simple. You know, if you do paint by numbers, it's easy, but if you're trying to copy Monet, it's a little bit more complex. Um, how we do it is, and how we generate that confidence in the teams to be able to blitz is is the key and that's the thing which i don't do not think is coached at all uh to a adequate standard um i think a lot of teams have they talk about putting pressure and blitzing but then they have no idea of how to go about doing it and, and by that i mean so well, I guess I'll use your team as an example. So let's say you have a scrum, they, they attack in the back, so there's a tackle in midfield, and you're coming around the corner. Where do you go as the first defender? Um, the first defender coming around the corner, um, hopefully you're, I mean, I don't know, um, at the blocker? I mean, the mm-hmm. near blocker is where I would, I guess, mm-hmm. where you would go since you're coming around the corner. You go yeah. to your blocker. Yeah, so that's what the majority teams do. They'll come in, they'll fill in just after the ruck, and then the second person, so you may stay there, and then the second person will come in beside you, and then when the third person comes, they may fill in to where the second was, and then everyone shifts across. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So how do you generate any line speed then? How do you put any pressure on the number 10? If the two guys in front of him are shifting sideways, how do they get off the line quickly? Well, you need to be able to backpedal. Hmm. Um. <laughs> I mean, if because you know, I'm get so blitz. Blitzing is not in this sense. It's probably not a zonal. Is well, I guess is blitzing in this in this sense a zonal concept, or are we talking more of a man concept? Um. I prefer to be a zonal concept um they're like man on man is again you have to be very good to play that uh, and you have to be in certain areas but i mean the best way to describe it like the easiest way to blitz is if there's a breakdown between the five meter and the sideline every team can just go yeah every team can go but it's when it gets into the middle of the field or when you have options left and right that it becomes more difficult and especially in those transitioning, transitioning from a passive tackle, it's very difficult to transition from a passive tackle into a blitz defense because, as you said, you're going backwards. Yeah. So we have to come up with ways of being able to do that. Number one is we have to slow down the ball at the point of contact. So, so like the most important person and the most important thing to get a blitz defense is actually not when you're set up in position. Um, and this is something which isn't coached and it's not really even spoken about, but a 
defensive shape whilst the team is attacking, if you know what I mean, if it's in broken play. Yeah. So let's say you have, yeah, I have an inside defender, I have an outside defender, and you need calls and you need a shape for that to happen. So one of the good ways you can call it, um, we always come back to A, B, C, or red, white, and blue, was let's say the middle guy makes a really low chop tackle. Well, his inside guy has to get over the ball. Yeah. And yes, if you don't steal the ball, you don't steal the ball. But your job there is to, one, pull in attackers, and two, to slow the ball down. Yeah. Like so, he, if, he, if he's at the ruck making a nuisance of himself, you'll generally get one warning from the referee. When the referee says, hands away, take your hands away. But you've slowed it down by a second or two, which has bought yourselves more time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so uh, with the so so with the blitz defense, we're talking about slowing down the ball at the point of contact. So counter rucking. Um, this is where because you have a lot of um, coaches. I mean, on defense, I think one of the few. <laughs> it's like. This this is what I've known playing rugby is like depending on the team sometimes or not even depending on the team, just because of I think where our fitness level has been is like, hey, we're not going to we're not going to counter ruck. We're just gonna form the ruck on defense with, you know, like one guy. And so in this sense, you would need to counter ruck efficiently. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's it. Like, that's where in teams, they trust their discipline. They trust um, their confidence in their defensive ability to get to generate turnovers, not at the breakdown, but in forcing mistakes, enforcing knock-ons, enforcing um, kicks. So then we can start attacking from that. And, and, that, and that's, that's the mentality that's needed. You know, if you, like, if you have a really big focus on throwing bodies into the ruck, to try and steal the ball there, yeah. you'll never be able to blitz because you'll always be numbers down, which makes it really, really difficult. Um, so that's why I, I talk about, yeah, your tackler, it has to be low, it has to put the, the attacker on the ground, and the second person has to slow the ball down. But when they, that call for hands away, they have to get out. They have to, you cannot stay there, you cannot double hit the rock, you're just wasting energy and you're wasting uh, time. That's why you see a lot of these days where a tackle is made, someone will hit it, they'll be cleaned out once, and then the number nine has almost like clear space in front of them to play the ball. Um, and that's how, we, that's how we help. That extra couple of seconds we buy there gives our other defenders time to get into position. But I think the most important, single most important thing to, to be able to play a di blitz defense is the outside defender. So let's say uh, you, you're in, on my inside and you make the tackle. So too often, the outside guy is so focused on helping his friend that he turns in to try and make the tackle assist. And when he turns in, that means that the defender around the corner has to go to that post or that pillar. So then we're, then we're all flowing on the inside out, and it's very hard to blitz. But if, if that outside defender can change his mindset to say it's better for the team for us to lose one meter or two meters while he's forcing the tackle, for me to be set, 
for the rest of our defenders to go, if that makes sense. So this guy, by him not getting involved, it also cuts out if the attacker gets an offload away or uh, number nine quickly picks and goes, then we have a post already set. And that gives us confidence for our our guys coming around the corner or the guys filling in who, again, I think it's it's ridiculous and and it's, it's a waste of time if defenders fill in from the ruck out. If you're looking to generate line speed, the first defender coming around the corner, you have to go, where am I going to put the most pressure? And that's why I believe the first defender must go to the first receiver, to the first back. If, if, they, you know, if they come back in field and then the second defender, depending on how many people you have between the ruck and the number 10, can fill in there. But if there's no attackers there, there's no point in positioning yourself. You're just wasting your time. Yeah. So you really try to, yeah, you really try and get set on that first receiver, and then he doesn't move. His whole focus is to watch the ruck, and as soon as that number nine is passing the ball, he's putting pressure on the number ten. So we're looking. Um, so we're looking. I mean, putting pressure on the ten, and then we're talking about space that's open. So there's really no point to a line there. Um, and you said, you know, you look at this as a zonal concept. So. One of the things I look at uh, in rugby defense is um, to an extent, I want my team to be fit enough to where my fullback can hang out rather than having to be on the line. Yeah. Yeah. So if this is done well, your fullback is not on the line all the time. No, no. Um, And again, you look at like a, a bigger defensive shape in that, you it's all about confidence so the wide defenders have to have confidence so generally i'd recommend you split your midfielders you split your wingers so one one midfielder one winger on either side of a bank of forwards so the eight forwards just kind of like shift left and right but go forward um your number nine is in behind directing and then the fullback is behind that as well and depending on which side the ball goes or where the attackers are the fullback can come up in the line and then the, the near side winger can can drop back to cover. But it's just about confidence, yeah. And just generating that that intent. So even though we've lost a couple of meters in this tackle here, our very next tackle, we are going to gain that back. It's kind of like one step backwards for two forwards. Got it. Okay. Um, so now let's uh, – so ha- when you – for coaching this, um, how do you break this down to first install and then let the boys run? Well, you have to start with the micro skills. And not uh, unless you've done track and field, not a lot of people know how to generate quick explosive power off, a, off the line. Like how many guys get into the defensive line and their both feet are parallel to each other? You can't you can't explode that way. So basically it's teaching them how how to stand, how to be so I call it like the four S's. So you want to be set, um, square, spacing's good, and then speed. And the speed part is you have to teach them how to run quickly. It's the single most important thing. Um and then just like the 90-60-90 uh, we talk about on attack, it's the same thing on defense. You know, they have to have a mindset where the first couple of steps, let's say three 
three steps really really hard big strides then they shorten their strides they adjust and then when they're within striking distance they accelerate into the attacker again and again that that's all about how to run how to adjust your feet and then how to go again how to fire again because not a lot of people I, i was never shown how to run like that um when I played in school, but then my sister did track and field and I used to go uh, watch her and got talking to the coach and he's like, yeah, this is, this will be really good. And it, it does, I know it's, it's not exotic or anything, but first, if you're going to blitz and you're going to be fast, you got to learn how to run and you got to learn how to accelerate first. Um, other micro skills is again, you don't want to launch into the tackle. You have to, as I said, you have to have the slow feet and you have to try and target if you're going to do a, a chop tackle. You have to have really, really good on keeping your back straight and your eyes up. Because if you arch your back and your eyes are down, if they do any change of direction, you will not be able to get a proper tackle on them. So I kind of like keep your T-Rex arm. So imagine your arms are in like little T-Rex. <laughs> this is how compact yeah it is you don't you don't want yeah you don't want to be doing like a um swan diving or butterfly swimming you know you want to be nice and compact and you want to really work on when you get there like a punch wrap so your shoulder your front foot front shoulder makes contact and then you you punch your arms out and then wrap tightly um aim from the like the hips downwards and then just kind of tie up uh, the quads and the hamstrings and that's the tackle technique. And again, just start with one-on-one, nice and close, just work on that punch wrap st- statically. And when you've done that, work on one step. So I stand here, my back is straight, my arms are T-Rex-like, punch wrap, take a step. Um, and how you advance that is you start with an attacker standing up and then a defender who is, because if they're having problems connecting the front foot front shoulder generating power so you get your attacker to stand and put your defender laying on his belly beside him and then the defender has to jump up land on one foot and on that one foot he has to drive into the tackle so you start to develop the muscle memory of your planted foot is where the force comes from and not the back um and that's your basic like one-on-one tackle technique and from that you build it up into let's say you have one attacker and two defenders so the two defenders will be parallel a couple of meters apart attacker runs at one side of them he makes a tackle the second defender has to work around to try and slow the ball down again just just work through these things you know work on for the guy trying to steal the ball instead of reaching in with your hands work on getting in close have your knees on the on the person on the ground it's technically illegal most refs will let it go and then getting your whole chest and your body over the ball and that's how you slow the ball down if you're just in there trying to tickle the ball with your fingers you're not going to do anything and it's just your standard progressions then you work into one attacker three defenders and now the, the outside defender has to really focus on being square and eyes up. And you just build up and up and up. And eventually you'll get to a stage where you could have maybe four attackers and eight or nine defense defenders. One phase, you run in, okay, we get set. Next one runs in, okay, get set. Next one runs in, get set. So just so they know what it kind of feels like 
to move left and right around the field and to launch. And again, it's not it's not hundred percent contact. You know, if you want to wear tackle suits, you can. Um, just work on the organization, the mindset, um, and that's how you'll do. Like that's how you build up from a one-on-one tackle to a team situation. The other micro skill that's needed, or the skill that's needed, is to, to be able to identify when the ball has gone out the back or or the attack has changed. So a really good way of doing this is, let's say you have six defenders, okay, um, just all standing in a line uh, parallel to each other, and they are facing five attackers at the front and then one attacker behind those five. So each defender has to line up with an attacker. And on go, the five attackers at the front, and again, just give them, um, the guys at the front just run, just run into each other, gentle contact. The five at the front just run straight. The guy who's behind them has like a pad or something, and he can run anywhere he wants. So he can come in in the middle, he can go out wide, he can do whatever. And his goal is to try and hit the point of contact at the same time as the five attackers in front of him. So now our defenders, we have to identify him, we have to look at him or her, and say, okay, he's coming, he's yours, he's yours, he's yours. And then we, sh- like every defender shifts one over or shifts left. And then do that on for, for points. And many times someone gets through untouched, they get a point. You know, do, do that a couple of times. And the defense will get really good at shifting, shifting numbers across. They have to talk, they have to communicate, and they have to be specific. Okay, he's yours, like... I'm on your inside, I'm on your inside, go, 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 that type of stuff, this kind of talking. But these things aren't really done. You know, we talk about the defensive shapes and it's, hey, we're going to drift or we're going to blitz, but, but how we actually do it is not spoken about. So that's why I, I think it's... I'll be honest, these like, kind of when it, when it, like, so the first time I knew what kind of attack we were running, other than I think, you know, the second team that I played on we just ran a lot of like 4-4 pod rugby and it wasn't it wasn't really like taught like that's what we weren't really I didn't know we were doing that but looking back that's what we were doing it like there wasn't a lot of I think in a in a lot of like amateur rugby you don't see a lot of why and I think that creates a disconnect you know, this is what we're doing. This is why. And then defensively, I don't think I've ever, you know, until we started talking, I didn't know there was such a thing as blitz defense. We weren't coach. It was like the thing that we're coached was either we're not counter rucking or we are. And that was just, you know, fo- make sure you tackle the guy. And that was pretty much it. So this is good. I mean, there's a lot of why in here, and that's I think that's in really important when it comes to trying to coach players. Like this is what we're doing, this is why, and you know, we're working on the how. So, yeah, exactly. Um, the the why is if there's no why, it's just chasing the ball around the field, and that gets tiresome very quickly. So. What's the next step in this? So we're talking, you know, micro skills and establishing like parts of the shape. So 
Yeah. Um, wait, so let's, so we've talked like, so forwards can be just as fast, but like roles in this, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So transitioning, like the big thing is to be able to transition from the set piece to open play. And depending on where they attack. So if the opposition attacks wide, it's easy because they just form a line. But if they come back in or they hit the midfield, well, then we need a policy of both. Well, who folds? Which players stay? Which players go? Um, your seven will probably be gone. But do you want your hooker chasing across the field or you want your hooker to stay on the left-hand side? That kind of stuff. So having everyone aware of what their roles are. So let's say the front rows are going to stay here, but you don't want to have all the front row together. So then you're going to have to do some, some adjustments, you know, after the first phase, the backs that have made the tackle, they shift left, shift right. And again, there's no, there's no set way. I believe like this, it's depending on the quality of the athletes that you have. You know, we had, um, when I coached in America, we had, two loose head props that threw our lineouts. Our hooker couldn't throw, but he never missed a tackle and he could scrum. And so it's about it making the adjustments accordingly. Which defender and where do you want them? What are they strong at? Are they good? Can they cover outside or are they just going to put big football style dominant tackles in? So that's very important because when everyone knows where they should be, then they're more confident. And the more confidence you have in this defense, the better you're going to be at it. I, I mean, this isn't this doesn't really have to do with defense, but I think you know when it comes to specific skills, like we we tend to lack developing things. Because I mean, for the longest time, I did not know that it's the hooker's job to throw the ball in on a lineout. Why? Because just. Just because that's how it was always done, the guy who was playing eight man, number eight on my last my last team, um, was the one throwing the ball in, um, which also takes away the when it comes to things like that, it takes away what the number eight is supposed to do, you know, in that in you know a lineout situation, whereas like historically speaking, the hooker is supposed to you know throw the ball in and the other hooker lines up against him. You know, so it's, I think it's, we're missing, like there's a disconnect with what is supposed to occur uh, when it comes to certain styles of coaching and development of even, you know, amateur players then, cause like, like that's the big thing in this, we're talking about in defense here. I like, you know, at certain levels, how much defensive coaching is actually happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly that. Um, I think they're. Um, I was just thinking there, like in in the mid '90s to early 2000s in the US, there was a big influx of um, foreign rugby coaches, and I think the US game kind of when they all left or went home, they there was missing a the passing on of that knowledge, so. You're, you're skipped kind of a generation and you're left with some very 1980s style coaching. Even today, there's there's some pretty awful things I've seen. 
but you know it's it's getting much much better with the with the uh, advent of the internet and, and sharing of resources we are getting a lot more technical and a lot more uh, interested in the specific parts of it which will help the game and the players to get better um but you're right it's it's you know, I, last uh, second last year I played, we had a I want to say probably a a seventy thirty split from attack to defense, and I kept trying to say, it's like, well, hey, we defend more than we attack. Should we not practice that? And and that's what it is. Like you need to you need to when you do an attack game or drill, you have to have the same key defensive principles in play as you do when you focus on your defense. So then you build your habits. Like um, we did a, a rough session last night. We did, um, again, we worked on individual tackle technique. We worked on our roles um, in open play, whether we stay or whether we go. From that, you progress to our rock roles. So as I said, that guy who, if he has gone backwards and he stayed at the post, what options does it allow our defense to do versus if he has had to come in and make the tackle because it's uh, you know sean o'brien is, is is breaking through and again we worked on that whereby one guy has missed the tackle the outside guy has had to turn in and when he turns in now what happens and again you just go through this for like 10 15 minutes you go there you go there and attack they're still working on their skills and their decisions but the focus is for the defenders so one whistle to go a tackle gets set up defense adjusts and it always has to be fluid and and living so there's no point in just forming a breakdown and say okay or putting the ball on the ground and say okay defense get into position it's much better if you have let's say you have two defenders standing flat give a give the ball to someone let him run into the fenders, let the tackle be made and let that form where you're going to start the exercise from. Because then the defenders start to recognize it and it's much, much better. So from that, you have your point of contact. Sometimes the, we'll have a person outside. Sometimes he'll be in the tackle. Defenders come around, blow the whistle and go. And again, just, just touch, just run through. You have your different options. You can... If you want to do a heavier session, you can do contact, you can do tackle, but in kind of a controlled way is that, you know, we're not going to blindside anyone. And again, it, the, the focus has to be, okay, we're going to, today we're going to focus on our chop tackles, or we're going to focus on our um, uh, choke tackles, you know, and, and you do these defensive drills, but then when you play games, you need a you don't need a dedicated defense coach, but if you have two coaches, for example, one takes the attacking side and you just keep constant feedback about um, attacking skills, early catch, early pass, get square, etc. But the defense guy, same thing. He's calling out names. You're doing like um, instant reviews. So if everyone knows what they're supposed to be doing, if I shout your name, okay let me let me look around let me adjust let me make corrections because you want the player to make the correction themselves and then if they don't make the correction a teammate to make the correction and then finally as a coach you step in if you need to but it's all about during the games like just um 
again, I do a lot of this. I've done it for many years now. You again, you put cones. I think we spoke about it. Put random cones in positions on the field. Two teams start on the sideline. You say go. The team on attack call out a color or an area. That team, that's where the breakdown is. So the attack can get set. Blow your whistle again. Then the defense flows out. So the whole team is is running. Actually, it's really good um, cardio because there's a lot of running. But they have to, well, they have to, yeah, they have to identify the attackers whilst they're getting in position. Yeah. Instead of just okay, here's your static ball. We stand there. You stand there. Let's see what happens. And it's again, it's about hammering the principles, the why. Why are we doing this? What can we do? Um, in a game, even playing touch. Like it's the same thing, you know, if you're playing touch and someone steps into a gap and I, I, I touch you and then the outside person turns in, you're like, no, let's, it's, it's touch. You know, we're trying to get square. We're trying to launch. We're trying to do line speed. Um, and that's the thing. And I think in most trainings, there isn't that mentality to focus on defense. You know, when guys show up to training, they'll say, hey, today I'm going to focus on my passing. And they, and they will. And the coaches will focus on the attacking um, brilliance. I, I even find myself like getting a little bit excited when you know, offloads and wraparounds happen. I go, oh, it's, it's working. We're looking really good. Um, but that same enthusiasm isn't there for defense. You have to really, really yeah. love defense. And, and it needs constant reinforcement and, and focus as well. That's the thing. Like You have to... At no point are you just practicing attack, or no point are you just practicing defense. Yeah. So, so like, what is you know the the next thing? So we talk about like using pads, using um, body suits. Who has body suits? What do you? What do you? What do you? What is this voodoo? <laughs> Never seen the body suits. The I've seen the bodysuits, but yeah. who has bodysuits? I, mean, uh, I, I, I was like, so my last club is the first sure, club. Yeah, like, sure so, <laughs> so, so my so my first club, uh, you know, when it, so, you know, I mean, it's so preached in the U.S. all the time about how cheap it is to get into rugby if you're like a player, but the more I think about it, is the the better you're at it coaching you, to an extent i mean the better your club is at coaching is like the more crap you have which gets expensive because i think if you have body suits that allows you to do things if you have pads that allows you to do more things um you know just different techniques to be added to the you know to the repertoire the quiver or whatever and you know my first club they built a scrum sled didn't have yeah. any pads. Uh, my last club, we didn't have. Uh, not my, my last club, we didn't have anything. Whereas this club, club I'm currently in, you know, they have pads and a scrum sled. You know, it was like, how long does it take to fund that? And then, you know, I think if you have more resources, it allows you to uh, do more things in a different way. And. I don't, I'm not saying like having the resources will affect like your actual coaching. Cause you have to actually do the coaching that would allow you to use your pads in, you know, team runs and 
starting out in defense and all things like that. But yeah, um, when I was the technical director in Portugal, we had a or I had a basically an unlimited budget, and nice. had That's a bad. board member who loves everything new. <laughs> so it's kind of like here's the Rhino Rugby book. What yeah. do you want? And he wanted to get me like the uh, the turtle pads. Have you seen them? They're really good for high kicking. So mm. it's like a massive wrap around, and you wear it on your back. So I can stand there. You kick the ball over my head. You run. You jump up, and it's a safe way of practicing kicking the or catching the ball in the air. But yeah. they're like they're like a thousand dollars each. And you know we had from under sixes to seniors. We had four hundred players and. He's like, oh, we can get them for seniors. We get it for under 18s, under 16s. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's you. I, I came to a point where I was like, let's just focus on quality coaching. And the rest is all, it, it helps. There are specific situations where that would be good for, but most of the time, the equipment is just there to be sold. Um, a couple of hit, a couple of pads to hit and some cones are really all you need. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, I think that about wraps up this episode. Gordon, what do you, is there any, uh, I guess, uh, alibis for this or? Um, yeah, actually, I guess if you're watching the Six Nations this weekend, oh, we should talk about this. The difference, so both Ireland and England will run a blitz defense, um, yeah. but both are very different. So, Ireland will have a lot of pressure from the inside to about the sixth defender, or roughly the number 13. And then they'll play a lot softer in that the outside defenders will, will hold their feet a lot more. So if you watch Ireland play, you'll see the 13, or you'll see that fifth or sixth defender up being the first one, and then it kind of trailing off of it. I guess like um, one of the arches on the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. That was what it would kind of look like. And then out, out wide, they play a little bit softer. They, they, they'll play some drift. Whereas England are, they do 100% speed, 100% blitz in their defensive line. So their wingers are, are blitzing up really, really quickly. And what they're going to try and do is they're going to try and shut down all passing options. But like the game against Wales uh, two weeks ago, or was it last week? Two weeks Maybe ago. last week, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. Teams can find the space and their skills are good enough under pressure. There's plenty of room to attack out wide and you can beat the winger and then you just it's kind of like a snowball effect then you're just constantly rolling uh, downhill and you'll make a lot of meters very quickly um again where it's susceptible if like england they have such line speed chip kicks in behind grubber kicks in behind or if they get an offload at the point of contact then you're going to find space in behind. So does England have a lot of space on that second level, which is um, teams haven't been able to exploit it yet. I think the All Blacks will. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's, um, yeah, I guess that's you'll see if you watch the Six Nations. Look for Ireland, look for, for England, uh, look at the line speed. Um, I don't know like, well, what else there is, really. Even our even our talk on defense is a lot less structured <laughs> than, our, than our attack one, you know. Well, I mean, like there's some reason for that, and then there's you know, there's other reasons for that, right? Like we, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to be watching the, uh, you know, so England plays Scotland this weekend, and then Wales plays, uh, I mean, Ireland and Wales meet at the Aviva. So um, we'll see uh, two, I think, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure what's how Scotland is doing, other than that they're able to force do guys you know, especially when they're on the attack, uh, the at least against France, they're able to force penalties to occur so that they are, you know, Laidlaw just kicks from anywhere and, you know, scores 20 points with his boot. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think those are going to be two games to watch because I think there is specific overmatch. So you'll be able to recognize uh, the defense and offensive systems a lot, I, I guess, easier than, is normal yeah um uh for i guess for american fans i I think really uh i I can't couldn't really tell but the uh i think argentina 15 was blitzing most of the uh most of the match against the u.s and that for anyone who wants to watch that that is on uh espn3 in the replays if you search through them um, on on demand, you can see Argentina fifteen versus the United States at StubHub Center. So check that out. Uh, they played really good defense. Um, it, it took us a while to get through it, and you know that's what happens when it's a seventeen to ten score, of course. So um, we'll be back in a, a couple of weeks to talk defense again, and uh, you know I think you know there are other defensive systems that. Uh, or more complicated than this to an extent. This this is one of those styles of defense that requires, I guess, a lot of fitness, but a lot of intellect to be able to establish your zonal concept and, you know, execute well. Because I think you can – I mean, you know this. You've coached for a long time. You can play a blitz-style defense and still get run over. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, it's, it is your – one missed tackle from a uh, from a try potentially. That about wraps it up. And we're again the show is back Monday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Gordon, where can they find you? Like, I mean Heidelberg, but that's not a. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Flash Gordon with three A's, I believe, or maybe four. I get confused sometimes. Um, and that's that's the main one, really. You can. Um, I'm generally linked in any of the Earful of Dirt podcasts that are these ones that are put out. So you should see me there if you get in touch. Um, I like to talk about food and barbecue, <laughs> and uh, my dogs. Really, that's the <laughs> and, and and rugby, of course. You know, but yeah, that's it, really. All right. Well, and that's it for us. See you guys later. Okay. See you. This has been Lineouts by Earful of Dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening.